Welcome to The Corey Lee Show, where our focus is on building leaders and transforming culture. My name is Corey Lee, and in each episode, I aspire to ignite something on the inside of you that encourages you to grow yourself and to make an impact on the world around you. Welcome to The Corey Lee Show. Welcome back to the Corey Lee Show, guys. Got a super exciting episode today. Get your pens, get your papers. I'm just going to go out on a limb and say this is probably going to be highly motivational and inspirational. Today, I got my friend Scott King on the show, the episode uh, today with us. And um, I was telling Scott before we pressed record that Scott, outside of Logan, is the only person that's been on here multiple times. And so you can actually go back and check out the the, the previous episode. It was on 1029 of 2020, where we talked about forever change your branch of the family tree. And that's something that Scott King says a lot that I absolutely love. And so, Scott, welcome back to the Corey Lee Show. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, thanks. Good to be back. Man, you... you putting them dates out there i'm I'm looking at the, the date today and i'm like have we been doing this this long yeah we've been, we've been doing this for a while yes. yeah and so it's scott if somebody now. has um for those that don't know who you are those that uh maybe have not listened to that episode yet uh tell us a little bit about yourself what do you do where you at where you at in the world all that stuff yeah a little about me well <clears throat> my name's scott king um i was born and raised in the uh, hills of Eastern Kentucky, a little town called Jackson. And I made my way to Northwest Indiana in 1995, um, where I started a family and started a life. I went to work. Um, it would probably be easier to tell you what I haven't done versus going through what I have. I've, I've dabbled in a little of everything and I landed myself into real estate, um, and more real estate investing now, as compared to the last time I was on the show, we do a lot of, uh, buy and hold rental properties, uh, some flipping and a lot of buying and selling is what the primary business is now. Um, Mary got kids, you know, just living life. Um, don't like the cold weather, especially this time of year. <laughs> uh, I'm with you, man. So at the time of this recording, I want you to know, Scott King, it was nine degrees in North Mississippi when I woke up this morning. And so anyway, mm-hmm. I felt like I was up in Indiana, but yeah, yeah, it was five here. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. Well, Scott, uh, I love your line about forever change your branch of the family tree. And what I love about that is the the generational tone to it of where you're going as a family, as it relates to, it doesn't matter what my past history has been like up until this point, that I'm going to take responsibility to do yeah. something about it. whether it's good or bad if it's good i'm going to keep growing this branch but if it's bad i can do something about it and i just want to tee you up with that thought like why is that so important to you uh why is it i mean I, there were some quotes that i heard when i started my self-development journey um dave ramsey was a very influential early on for me to start getting my finances under control and he talked about it you know from the proverb a wise man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. Another translation says a righteous man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. And he talked about changing his branch of the family tree. And I kind of just borrowed that from him and thought, you know, that, that has become my goal in life to forever change my branch of the King family tree. And some of that comes from the history 
my family history on both my, my father's side and then on my mother's side. Um, we come from a, I come from a family that had generational wealth at one time. And as things tend to happen, it kind of got, you know, squandered through the generations to where we find ourselves to today. And there was something in me that wanted that back and wanted that back for my children. And so I adopted that philosophy. You know, God put me here to forever change my branch of the King family tree. And if I don't do it, I am only passing that buck to a future generation to have to, to rise and do the same thing that I'm doing now. And as we know, with time, things become harder and harder. Yeah. And so that kind of became the premise of what this uh, the conversation we're going to have today around the lie of comfort. Mm-hmm. Everything that we find comfort in is typically a lie we're telling ourselves that's holding us back from true growth and, and realizing true potential. So and I want to just put a disclaimer on that. I do not claim by no stretch of the imagination to have mastered these things. Only that has become a, a component of awareness. And as you and I have talked about several times, you know, we don't play the shame game when it mm-hmm. comes to that. But awareness is, is key. And as I have become more aware of some of the areas where I have allowed that lie of comfort to infiltrate my life, I've realized that it's held me back. And I've started to be able to change that based off that. Yeah, yeah. I love that. And, you know, when I hear you talk about forever changing my branch of the family tree, it, it I, talk about giving me responsibility for today. Yeah. But, man, it makes me want, to, I, I guess the way I imagine it, is I'm I'm a runner, and so I, I'm I'm thinking mm-hmm. more of like a relay race. That whenever you hand the baton off to the next runner, you're you're not handing off at a standstill, right? The one is running, but the one that's about to grab it is running as well. And so you are equipping the next generation. They are equipped at the point of handoff to where that they can run further, run faster, build higher, build bigger. That they're not having to lay a, another foundation. And that's kind of what what I hear and what you're saying is that one point in your family line, there was some wealth and, you know, through different choices that happened and you're you mm-hmm. building another foundation that you're trying to set it up in such a way that your kids don't have to build another foundation. They can just have a foundation to build upon. And Absolutely. So- to take the foundation that we're building now and build from it. And not only that, but to curb some of this uh, momentum of the pendulum swinging. You know, we were here at one point in the family tree or the family future, and now we're swinging way over here. Let's make sure that we're not coming back. So, you know, not on just building some foundations, but also teaching and preventing that um, downward trend that we that we tend to see in a lot of things in life. You know, it, it tends to be that that motion. You know, we're way over here on some things and then we come over here and then we're like, well, this is too far this way. Now we're coming back over here. Let's see if we can find that happy medium to where we're continually building with that momentum that you're talking about, passing that baton fluently and seamlessly. So that handoff is is uh, not noticed, you know. Yeah. I like that. And so one of the reasons we're doing another podcast today is you and I, we're having a conversation around what you just mentioned, the lie of mm-hmm. This. Yeah. This idea that if it's difficult, that we shouldn't participate, that that everything should come to us easy. And I would love to hear mm-hmm. your thoughts on that. I'd love for you to pack that. Why do you call that a lie? Why is the lie of comfort actually a lie? <laughs> well, I, you know, I would like to kick this off with uh, reading just a little bit from the Bible. Let's go, uh, Scotty King. Y'all get, get your, get your Matthew, out. Turn the, turn yeah, the Ma- Matthew 4, you know. 
for those of you know Matthew 4, uh, this is where, you know, Jesus has just been baptized and he's fasted 40 days and he's been led off to the wilderness. And uh, um, from the King James Version, it reads like this. Then was Jesus led up of the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was afterward unhungered. My grandfather likes to put out that part. I have been unhungered many times, he says. <laughs> but I like this part. And when the tempter, that was what they, that was what the writer termed him as, came to him, he said, if thou be the son of God, command these stones to be made bread. And then, of course, we know he answers that, uh, you know, uh, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from his mouth. But the part of that that I really like to hone in on is that he was tempted and he could have very easily bought into that lie that, that this would be comfortable and good for me in light of I know what I'm doing is difficult now, but what's going to happen in the future is going to be so much better if I don't give into this lie of immediate comfort and gratification. And that has become a lens in which I look through a lot of choices in life. I mean, let's think about it every morning. You know, when you wake up, your alarm goes off. And if you've not conditioned and disciplined yourself, what is your immediate reaction to want to do? Roll over and hit the snooze button. Mm -hmm. Because, boy, it's comfortable to lay there in that nice warm bed. And we, our brain, our subconscious will lie to us and tell us it's okay. We can sleep just another five minutes. But there are certain motivational people that will tell you that that is the first win or first loss of the day, whether you give in to hitting that snooze button or you get up through discipline and hit the ground running. And some days I win that battle and some days I don't. You know, if I'm being honest, there are days that I, I, I lose that battle. I give in to that lie of comfort and I sleep an extra five. Mm. But again, we're not talking about shame here, just awareness. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I like what Grant Cardone says. You know, he, he made a quote that said, comfort makes more prisoners than all the prisons combined. Mm. And if you think about that, you know, it's, it's, that's what we live in. I mean, let's just think about it from a standpoint of our diet. How easy is it for us to go to the refrigerator and open the door and find comfort? I'm bored. Um, I want that sweet thing, even though I know that it might not necessarily be the best for me. You know, and it's that live comfort. It's okay. Oh, you know, it'll, it'll be all right. Just have that. You know, it'll satisfy that initial craving, curb that. You'll, you'll curb that initial hunger. But what have you done? What have you traded? Hmm. You know, um, many of Jim Rohn's quotes challenge us to step outside of our comfort zones and push for growth. The comfort of the familiar can be a hindrance in applying learned principles and philosophies. And that was something he said. And it often entails confronting fears and taking risks. Anytime there's fear and risk involved, we're wired in such a way that we want to reach for the comfort. What's the comfortable? Or do I have to step outside of that and face those fears, face those demons? Yeah. That's good stuff, Scott King. I, I, I love that live comfort. And I love what you said about uh, the first win of the day is that snooze button. Yes. That snooze button. And like, for me, I, I feel like I'm a, I'm a fairly disciplined person, but sometimes that snooze button will get me. And mm -hmm. what you said, we don't play the shame game. We don't play the blame game, but what we do play is the awareness game. And I want mm -hmm. to become aware of areas of growth and improvement. I don't want to beat myself up and, and shame myself because you, you opened up with the Bible there. Um, Holy Spirit never 
uh, he always convicts. He does. He, he doesn't mm -hmm. condemn. And so we don't want to mm -hmm. condemn ourselves and say, well, you never, you know what? You're never going to make it. Uh, that's condemnation. Right. We don't play the shame game, but we do play the awareness game. And I love that you, you say that. And so, um, for you, like, when, when did you become aware of this? Like, uh, like, was there, was there a moment that is like, I guess the way I, I back this up is you and I, we've, we've talked about, there's, there's tons of books out there on the opposite end of the four hour work week, you know, set things up to make things easy and, and comfortable. And I think they're, they have a place, but I think you experimented with some of that. Uh, and, and I have as well, but realize that, um, and there's work involved. There's work involved. And so I, I would just love to hear where did this kind of revelation come to you? You know, I don't know that I can pinpoint a specific, but I know that over the course of the last two to maybe three years, it has been something that has just been slowly developing and growing. And this is where we kind of get the, the title. And, you know, I've said it a few times one of these days, I might write that book, The Lie of Comfort. But, you know, a lot of it come out through the mastermind groups that, you know, you and I do together. Um, as more things became aware and I started consuming more and more success content, I, I noticed a reoccurring theme. Uh, you know, a lot of the people that I listen to talk about, you know, uh, Tony Robbins says that growth begins where your comfort ends. You know, it's one of the things that he talks about. And I just kept note picking up on this reoccurring pattern, comfort. A lot of these guys reference comfort. And then I just became to understand that, well, there's a line that, you know, if we buy into the comfort lie, we're holding ourselves back. Mm -hmm. And the more I became aware of it and stuff, it just, you know, started pointing it out more and, and, and more in life. Um, it, it becomes something you start picking up on. Mm -hmm. after a while you know it's like oh yep there's that lie of comfort again you know uh andrew Fursella says you are where you are because of you mm. you know you are where you are because of you so you know at some point we have to be kind of aware of the things that have been holding us back um running you referenced running earlier you know um i, I started putting together a little bit of stuff that i learned while running and that's what i titled uh, a little bit of a talk that i'm working on and the one thing I talk about in there right off the bat is, is that doing the work only feels good in three places. And that's in the beginning. When I started, I feel motivated, you know, in the middle when I'm numb from activity and nothing hurts and I have the law of momentum on my side. And then at the end, when I'm finished, you know, those are the only three places where the work feels good. And most of the time and only in running have I found that it feels good in the middle. Uh, typically, it's just at the beginning when I'm motivated and at the end that the work feels good. And, you know, and, and. In saying that, I don't want to I don't want to say that comfort is a bad thing mm -hmm. because uh, there's also the importance of realizing the importance of the season that you're in. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I can't I just came out of a season where there wasn't a lot on my plate. So we had some rest and stuff like that. And now we're back into another rehab project. So it's time to go. You know, it's time to work. But while I was in that season of rest, I was OK with some of this comfortableness because the comfort wasn't holding me back. But now that it's time to go, let's not let that lie of comfort sink in. Oh, I can take Friday off. You know, we're doing okay on the project. Well, what am I sacrificing when I do that? And that's that awareness point, that yeah. key. Yeah. Like that. And, you know, the fav uh, famous thought of the comfort zone. There's a zone <laughs> of comfort, and we know that everything worthwhile is uphill. And if you've got dreams or vision or whatever, you're going to have to step outside of your comfort zone your zone of comfort mm -hmm. 
And what I've said many times, and you've heard me say it, and I've said it on this podcast, but the the comfort zone isn't really comfortable. It's just familiar. It's what we are familiar mm. with. And, mm-hmm. and so I've been thinking about what you say in the law of comfort and take taking the snooze button, for example, it is comfortable. It's also familiar and, and creating a new yes. habit. That is tough. It, it is really tough to get out of that, that comfort, that, that familiarity right there. Um, mm-hmm. And so I, I just I'd be curious for your thoughts on uh, there. There is those seasons of rest that that you have to. Um, and I, I've been trying to balance this out of uh, those seasons of rest. But if you extend mm-hmm. seasons of rest beyond there a lot of time, now you just be an idol and, you know, yeah. like not doing anything. And so any thoughts on how to balance those and like, how do you know which season you're in? Any thoughts? Uh, well, <laughs> uh, I, I think a lot of introspection will lead to that. And I think you only get that through doing that deep work, sitting with yourself, you know, and starting to figure some things out. You know, you talk about the seasons. Um, I don't know that there's any blanket indicators that would tell you what season of life you're in. Um, I can only speak to mine because I know where it's at. You know, I know where I'm at. And that has been a journey of, you know, five plus years to even be able to scratch the surface on understanding that. Um, On the other side of that, you know, I have come to a point in life where I don't believe in balance anymore. Um, And I say that kind of tongue in cheek. You know, I know we have to have a certain amount of balance in our life. But it, it seems for me what I've noticed is it's all one way or the other. You know, and, and if I try to balance it, something gets missing. Um, right now, I'm in planting season. You know, uh, when it's time to plant, you know, I'm not worried about balancing and, and, and resting, you know, through the gestation period. You know, the season that I just came out of would have been, you know, almost a business summer where things were just growing and I was waiting. You know, so I think you have to have some insight into what your own personal business is, what your own personal life schedule is like to be able to, to identify that. And then just honing in on what works best for you. You know, like right now I'm planting, man. I'm planting. We're, we're building houses. We're remodeling. We're renting. We're flipping. I, in another month, I may be in a gestation season where I'm waiting for some things to be realized and I don't have a lot to do. Yeah. So I'll, I'll rest and I'll wait. Yeah. And then it's just, you know, identifying those patterns in your own life. I think they become the most important. Yeah. And I love what uh, one thing Jim Rohn says is that, you know, historically, we understand that after any winter, spring is coming. Yeah. Whatever he says, six million years that the world's been doing this, you know, spring, spring follows winter, you know, summer follows spring, fall follows summer and winter's coming again. You know, we were having this discussion around the ant, you know, and I made this comment the other day that, you know, all summer long, the ants thinking winter and preparedness all winter long, the ants thinking summer. And, and resting in that while he's waiting for the good times to come back. So it's that own personal awareness. Yeah. Yeah. You referenced the ant. That, that's a proverb we were talking about the other day, Proverbs 6. It says, go to the ant, you sluggard. Just make an observation of the ant. The ant prepares, mm-hmm. uh, gets everything ready in the summer for the harvest that it will reap later on. And there's something that, that stands out to me within a couple of things you said is the importance of the season that you are in having mm-hmm. a personal awareness of the season that you were in. You know, I'm a content junkie. I like uh, podcasts and books and all those kind of things. One of the traps I fell into early on when I started reading everything is I read everything. 
I read everything, oh, yeah. Scott King. And uh, what's interesting is you would find concepts that worked for one person and then concepts that were in direct opposition that worked for the other person. And what I found myself trying to do was apply all of them. Yes. And what I had to do was slow down to see what you said is what season are you in? And mm-hmm. not, not just try. I think we like I think we like an example to follow. And I think I think having some stuff is is good. We can learn from other people. But everything that you're saying about understanding where you're at and having mm-hmm. that self-awareness is, man, that is just uh, it's key. It's key. I came across a quote the other day by uh, Alex Hermosi. And let me see if I can. Find, oh, yeah. Rather than picking up your next book, take action on your last book. Yeah. Man. You know, as, as people who like to consume content, we're, it's really easy for us to get wrapped up in that motivational side of that where it feels good, you know, and then I can, I can look for my next motivational moment to kick me off in my next book. And if I'm not careful, I'll buy into that live comfort that the, what I need to do is in my next big thing when really I could probably take and apply some principles from my last one, get some momentum going and, and create a lot of uh, progress that way instead of continuously consuming content. And I went through the same season of exactly what you're talking about. I was listening to anything and everything, looking for my next motivational high yeah. to try to find my next um, idea or something that I thought sounded good to act on. And when all I was doing was I was just pushing that carrot further and further out and never tainted it because I was waiting for my next thing mm-hmm. to be the thing. Mm-hmm. You know, and So that's why I love that quote. You know, Instead of looking for your next book, if you're guilty of being a content junkie, Instead of picking up your next book, put some action to your last one. You might find that it gets you somewhere. Mm. Uh, Scott, I got a question for you. This is way out in left field. All right. Uh Oh, but you start with something I've been thinking on. Right. And uh, if this not any good, we can edit out anything. All right. So it's (laughs) me and you talking and people are just listening in if we keep it in here. Right. Uh, So you start off with the the verse of scripture there with Jesus being led into the wilderness. And I was I was just thinking on this and praying and meditating the other day, you know, he was in the wilderness. Holy Spirit sent, sent him into the wilderness. And before I say this, by the way, I believe that Jesus is the savior of the world. I believe he is fully God and fully man. And that if you don't have a personal relationship with him, that, Hey, the door is wide open. He wants to have a relationship with you. And in, in his, you know, he's sent into the wilderness it says he's there for 40 days and 40 nights. And a thought came to me. Do you think going in there, he knew he was going to be in there for 40 days? Did he? Do you think he knew the time frame? Because <laughs> and the reason I thought about this, Scott, is like, you know, it says 40 days and 40 nights. And again, this is just me and my humanity, you know, my finite thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. If I know that I got 40 days, and the accuser comes to me on day 40, all I, man, I just got one more day. I can hang out one more day. <laughs> I, I, You're right. It's just a thought. I don't know. Um, any, any thoughts on that? Ah, <laughs> you know, I don't know. I don't know that I ever gave it any thought, but you bring up a, it's an interesting point. You know, if, if I know that my, if I know that my finish line is closer, it's easier and easier to stay on task. Yeah. Um, I know that there's some, some significance to the, to the 40, Oh, yeah. Uh, so maybe, you know, we know that a lot of what Jesus did was referenced from the Old Testament and some of those numbers matched up. Maybe he knew. Um, I, I can I'll, I'll share this with you. 
Come on. Uh, at the same time, there was a there was a point where I was uh, attempting the uh, seventy five hard program, and uh, I was probably day fifteen. 14, 15, 16, somewhere in there. And I missed a dietary goal by 10 minutes. Mm. And even though I knew that I was heading to bed in 10 minutes, I wasn't able to fight past the um, desire to have a couple of Oreo cookies. Mm. So I don't know that it, that it would have made a difference if he knew that, that it was about to come to an end. Because even though I knew I was about to go to bed in 10 minutes, I lost that battle, you yeah, know? Yeah, But that, it's, it's a good thought. It's, it's actually it's a good just thought. A thought. Hey, like, you know, it's yeah. just a thought. Just a thought. Man, you know me. I got crazy thoughts like that all the time. <laughs> I know it. I know it. That's good stuff. And, uh, you know, um, Jesus defeated the enemy. He defeated death. Mm -hmm. He defeated the grave. And he is alive today. And, and you know, it's just a thought as I was reading the verse of Scripture earlier. So, um, But, you know, in and of that, you know, and, and 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 taking just those that concept right there out, you know, I mean, if we take it outside of the of the churchiness, you know, of it and stuff, and we actually start applying it daily, I mean, there's so many lessons that come from the Bible. I mean, from that, you know, persistence, everything that Jesus went through, being full of God, full of man, you know, was sometimes I think, and, and I, I say this, you know, give me some grace with with my poor choices of words and some things, you know, sometimes we want to over deify that that you know. He wasn't man, hmm. but yet at the same time, he come to model what it meant to live a righteous life as a man, mm -hmm. you know, and that's, you know, we're still way out left field here, you know, but there's a lot of practical applications that come from following these, these lessons and stuff. And, you know, what did Jesus do? He took what he knew and he, he um, was able to fend off those attacks. You know, it was through that study of philosophies and principles from the Bible, you know, that he was able to overcome that temptation. And, you know, you talk about your own, you know, my own flesh, my own stuff like that. I have stopped giving the devil, you know, so much credit for things because really, if you read and you look through that, all he can do is tempt us. Hmm. He creates the temptation and it becomes up to you as to whether you buy that lie of comfort or you stick to your disciplines and move forward. Yeah, yeah. We could dive. I know you and I were talking about this the other day at, at supper. And, uh, you know, sometimes we give the enemy too much credit. Yeah. There was one time I was had fallen back into a, a trap, um, you know, that I had a sin cycle that I had broken out of. And I, you know, I start praying to the Lord and was like, in Jesus name, God, here, devil and all that. And I feel like the Lord was saying, like, no, that wasn't that wasn't him. That was you. That was your flesh. Right. And there. Mm -hmm. Like he does, he can come and like you said, he 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 tempts and those kind of things. But there's still that flesh part that is that mm -hmm. is me, and and allowing him into those areas to his grace to wash over that. And um, man, it's interesting. Um, so let's touch on that for just a second. Oh, come on, Scott. Somewhere in there, you believed a lie that whatever that sin cycle was, that there was some comfort there. Yes. Yeah. And you bought into that lie. And that right there, I think, is the whole premise of what I talk about when I say that. You know, we, have, we are faced with two choices. And we can believe that lie, that there's something comfortable coming. Mm. Or we can choose the other path. Yeah. And, and that, is, that right there is the basis of what this conversation is about. 
Yeah. And once you start recognizing that there is a, there's a lie in that comfort, you can start calling it out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that awareness. But man, I love that. Hey, Scott, I want to ask you this. You talk about going back, you know, taking up the responsibility for changing your brand. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of a lot of the people who listen, we got men and women who listen. We've actually, <laughs> you, I, I know you listened to the podcast and you listened to one the other day where uh, the guy was on here talking about men and our responsibility. Mm-hmm. Um, what about from a from a father's perspective? Uh, can you speak into what what role? What role should fathers play in that um, of of changing our branch of the the family tree? What, what's a father's role? Well, for me, the role of being the father was every generational curse that I don't break, I am just passing to my sons. Mm-hmm. And and as a father, I mean, what do we want for our children? We want the best for them. We want to give them the best the best start into life. We want to, to protect them as much as we can. Uh, we want to teach them and educate them as best we can. So that's where it, what it kind of become to for me. Uh, you know, I have a past history with some alcoholism. And for many years of my life, um, drinking was a problem for me. And there became some awareness around that. And it was like, if I don't break this, my sons will have to. Mm-hmm. And what am I what am I conditioning my daughters to accept in a man, in a, in a potential husband, in a potential father for their children, if I don't get some control over this right now? Yeah. As as well as li- uh, laziness, you know, if if I don't model what it means to grind and work and you know go out there and hunt something, kill it and bring it home for us for us to eat, you, what? What do my sons then adopt as their philosophy? I mean, how much of this stuff do we see that goes from generation to generation? I come from a very poor part of the world. Great people. But there's a cycle of, of the uh, you know, welfare and, and, and the accepting of the handouts. And, and I'm not knocking those programs. I think they were created. They've helped a lot of people. But we see a generational cycle of people that families just stay on it and stay on it and stay on it. And dare say it's been abused. I mean, it has. But that was never good enough for me. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm glad it was in place when I was growing up because it helped us through some hard times. But but settling in that was never OK for me. I wanted more out of life and it wasn't materialistic, you know. But I did want to find things in life. You know, God put it in me to want great things because I believe he is a creator of great things. Mm-hmm. And this whole this whole idea that, you know, abundance and prosperity and stuff like that is, is somehow sinful. That's a lie. Mm-hmm. That is a lie that has been propagated by by mainstream media. Uh, I mean, I dare even go into the realms of the church that's kept people enslaved to that. You know, nowhere in the Bible have I found where purposefully being poor was considered a, a great thing. Mm-hmm. And if it's out there, by all means, send it to me. I'd love to read it. I'll start it into it. You ain't going to change my mind on it, yeah. but at least I'll not, I'll not ever make that statement again. Yeah. But I mean, you know, throughout the Bible, we see abundance, you know, prosperity. I mean, the Garden of Eden, the Garden of Eden, it, it was created on a philosophy that consumption created abundance. The trees produced. We ate the fruit, we produced. Mm. 
So consuming and, and abundance are things that are biblical. And uh, you can go listen to Myron Golden. He talks about it in depth. I would not even be able to you know, give it the justice that he does. But he has a quote where he says that everything God needed, everything God needed you to understand about abundance and prosperity was done in Genesis 1, Genesis chapter 1, just in case you didn't make it to chapter 2. <laughs> <laughs> How about that? But all, all of it comes with work. Yeah. You know, that stuff comes with work. And, and that's... I think that's the part, you know, that we, we've got to resign ourselves to is, you know, there's no such thing as free lunch. Um, advice is worth what you pay for it. You know, mm -hmm. there's some things that we throw around in our success world, you know, um, it, it's hidden in your work. And, and some people work harder than others physically. And that's OK. You know, I think God gave us each our own thing to be uh, grateful for, good at. Uh, you know, what Solomon say in, in Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes, you know, love your work. Love your daily toil. Mm -hmm. You know, he talked about that throughout that, you know, because this is life. Mm -hmm. When I do leadership training, one of the uh, leadership laws we talk about is the law of respect. Mm -hmm. and, and we talk about people naturally follow leaders stronger than themselves. People follow mm -hmm. people that respect themselves, respect other people. But respect for the work that they do. It doesn't matter the line of work that you do. Having a certain level of respect for the kind of work you do actually attracts respect. Uh, and people yes. can tell that. You know, a thought that came to me as you were talking about um, the the welfare mentality. And again, nothing, you know, nothing wrong with that unless you, you're mooching off of it. But it, it, it can become a generational thing. We saw it in our physical therapy clinic a lot where generations would come through uh, on, on that system. And I think the system was there to, you know, provide help to help you get a leg up, not to stay there. And right. I really thought about the conversations going around. It was a couple of years ago about the debate about the, um, Oh, the minimum wage debate, right? Like minimum mm -hmm. wage should be this, minimum wage should be that. And, you know, minimum wage is a starting point. <laughs> it's where you start from, right? Right. It's, it, it's minimum because you start there and you grow from there. And I love the Jim Rohn quote that we talk about all the time. You don't get paid by the hour. You get paid for the value that you bring to the hour. And, and I know Scott yes. King, we can get really, I could get really fired up about this, but it's, and you can too, but you get paid for the value that you bring. Yeah. People don't, people don't get paid by the hour, but for the value they bring companies that sell products and services do not get paid for the product or service itself. They get paid for the, for the value that product or service provides to the people making the payment. And so anyway, as you're thinking about that, I, I was just, that thought came to me about the importance of, man, that's a foundation, right? If, if, yeah. if you're on welfare, that is a foundation you can build from. Somebody is, has given you a leg up, right? They're, they're mm -hmm. giving you a helping hand. There's this, that, that you don't have to live out on the street, right? You got a house that you can live from, you know, and, um, and build from there, build from there. Um, we live in the greatest country on the planet yeah, and in the greatest time in history that we're told about. And here's the thing, man, if you don't, if, if you can't make a go of it here in America with all the fail safes and stuff that have been put in place, what live comfort are you believing? 
<laughs> you know, oh, it's it's easy. You know, it's easy for that guy over there. He had this or he had that to start it. He come from a family that did that. And while all those things are contributing factors, you know, man, we live in a place that is just filled with abundance. People ask me sometimes, oh, Scott, how is it that you're able to do what you do? One is faith. You know, I, I have a faith that regardless of what happens, it's going to be okay. And the other side of that is there's a, there's a safety net built in in America, you know. If I go bankrupt in my business, they ain't come and take my kids away and put them in debtor's prison. You know, I'm not going to have to go to jail. Over it. You know, we have laws and things as a safety net, you know, that if you go out there and try and fail, well, we got things that can wipe that out. You know, does it make it hard for you in the future? Yeah. You know, is it going to be a shock to your ego if you hit rock bottom again? Been there, done that, by the way. Um, yeah, it, it does. But it, if you're not trying out here today, man, what lie are you believe in? Mm -hmm. Or do you just not want it? And that's okay, too. You know, entrepreneurship is not for everybody. Yeah. You know, it, it's, I tell you what, and I know we've said it and you've heard it a thousand times, but being an entrepreneur is the only job you'll work 90 hours a week to avoid working 40 for someone else. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's funny. I love it. I wouldn't change it, though. I mean, I love it. You know, uh, one of those things that Myron Golden says is that abundance and lack are always both present and you get the one you focus on. Hmm. Yeah. Wow. That's good stuff. Um, Sky King, here's my last question to you. All right. So you you like consuming content. What what content are you you reading or listening to right now? Uh, if I listen to podcast content, it's either um, Alex Hermosi or Myron Golden. And then I probably defer to Myron Golden more than anyone. And the reason being is that he builds or he talks about success principles through the Bible. I feel like the Bible, uh, the book, uh, the instruction, however you want to term it, call it. It's got a lot of success principles built into it that get overlooked. Um get mislabeled or miscategorized. And I like the way that he brings it to a business perspective. Um, as far as what I'm reading currently, I'm reading the book, Thou Shalt Prosper by Rabbi Daniel Lapin, Lapin, L-A-P-I-N. I'm not sure if I'm saying it correctly. Uh, but again, it's the uh, Ten Commandments for making money. And it's really not so much about making money as it is about some principles around, you know, what it takes to make money, um, make money um, in a good light, you know, uh, it, it, in America, especially of late, we branded, you know, being wealthy and being a businessman is something that's evil. Hollywood has done a disservice to the entrepreneur in that they've made all the, the wealthy businessmen evil people and they're not, you know, wealth just makes you more of what you already are. Um, so I like, I kind of like, you know, some of the principles that I found in there. And those are the things that I tend to listen to the most. Um, I like that. I, I was trying to find. Um, oh, here we go. Uh, you're talking about um, principles, uh, biblical principles and those kind of things. I've been going back through the started back over the Bible and I was reading in Deuteronomy the other day. And, you know, talk about the Ten Commandments. And mm -hmm. and God was he had given these Ten Commandments. He gives them instructions for living and how to live well in accordance to his law. And I think mm -hmm. many times people see these as laws of like, I can't do that or I can't do this. or this is what I got to do. But it's not. This is what it says. It says this in Deuteronomy. It says when you obey them completely and you display your wisdom and your intelligence mm -hmm. 
to the surrounding mm-hmm. nations. When they hear of all these decrees, it'll cause people to say, wow, how wise mm-hmm. and prudent are these people? And how is it that they've got a God who will come so near? And it's by, by obeying the principles that he's put in place that it will display how wise you appear to be. And it says it displays his glory about, wow, got a God who will come near. They've got a personal God, not an mm-hmm. impersonal God who's so far away, but one who draws near. That's a powerful thing, I think, uh, as it relates to what you were saying and uh, Myron Golden. So, yeah. Well, Scotty Key, yeah. I, I consume I consume quite a bit of Corey Lee content too, though. If I'm being Let's honest, go. come on, come <laughs> on. Let me let me let me ask you something, Scott King. What what what's something that uh, that you've heard through some of the Corey Lee stuff that stands out to you? Well, isn't that interesting? Isn't that? Uh, that's that's probably the one that that you ought to have it put on a shirt, man. And uh, I, I love how you teach that as a thought interrupter. Yeah. You know, uh, because what does the Bible say about our thoughts? You'll take each thought captive. And if we're having some thoughts that are about to run us, run us awry, you know, just that that little phrase. Isn't that interesting? Mm-hmm. You know, be able to stop and interrupt that thought and be able to reassess it for a minute. Uh, it's probably one of the, the more um, thought of things I think about when I think Corey Lee and Corey Lee content. Um, and we don't put our should on people. You know, we ought not should on people. Uh, that's been a good one. Mm-hmm. I've. Uh, Use that a lot. And uh, one that I, I catch myself quoting all the time saying when I'm giving advice to people is that, you know, it's buffet line style advice, man. You take from it what you want. You leave what you don't. <laughs> and those are, those are probably some of my favorite Corey Lee quotes. There you um, go. Like but, it. you know, um, your your book, you know, this one, the leading with insights uh, through the book of Proverbs. You know, I've been I've really been enjoying that one lately uh, going through and reading that, you know, one of the. Um, uh, men's groups that I've belonged to in the past. One thing that we did was we would go through the, a proverb a day. Mm-hmm. And uh, sometimes when I find myself kind of dry in my biblical reading, I revert back to that foundation. And I, I love how this kind of partners with some of that, you know, a little commentary, you know, on, on the proverbs. Uh, so I've gotten a lot of um, good stuff out of that. Ah, that's good. Well, I appreciate that. Appreciate that plug. I did not pay Scott. Absolutely. That. So I just, uh, <laughs> hey, Scott, um, I have not said said this to anybody other than my wife. I'm actually working on volume two right nice. now of uh, that Proverbs right there. And um, I just share this. I know I may have said this to you, but some, sometimes people say, why, why do you write a book or how do you write a book? And I you know, when I wrote that book, man, I started that book about four years ago and it was just me and the Lord just sitting and, and I was writing my thoughts. I uh, never intended to write a book. And then you look back, yeah. this could be a book. It's added value to me. Hopefully it can add value to other people. And um, I know you, you mentioned earlier about when that book comes out. Uh, <laughs> your book, your book is what I'm talking about. When your book comes out, we were talking the other day and I told you the reason that I write. The hmm. reason that I write is hopefully it impacts people, right? Yes, absolutely. But I write to my great grandkids that I may never meet. I want them to know. I want a generation coming that I may never get to meet to know what I was like, to know what I was thinking and what what the situation was. I write to them. Mm. And so they'll, they'll understand what I was like, what I stood for and really what our family values are. And if somebody else buys the book, that's great, awesome, and hopefully it adds value to them. But I write to a generation I may never know, 
And so anyway. yeah, I do remember you saying that in conversation the other day, but I don't think it stuck out quite as much as it has this time. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense that I can write it in that fashion and yeah. for that purpose. And if it sells to somebody else, great. But if not, I have passed on that legacy. Yeah. Yeah. That they can look back and say, you know, this was the dude that forever changed our branch of the whatever family tree. Ooh, that was good, Scotty King. Let's go. Y'all better rewind yeah. all that. That's good. <laughs> um, Scott, somebody's listening and they want to just connect with you. They, they they just like the way you approach things and uh, maybe they want some one-on-one coaching from you or they got, you know, it's like, hey, I want to connect with you, Scott. How does how does somebody reach out to you? Uh, so you can find me on Facebook, Scott King. Um, my email is that ring the king guy at Gmail. Uh, that is also my TikTok user handle, that ring the king guy. I post some uh, rehab content on there as we're doing it. Um, couple running motivational videos that I've uh, thought somebody might get some good um, insights from. And sometimes it's just me having fun, you know, yeah. being goofy. Yeah. Um, don't really do Instagram. Uh, Facebook's probably about the best way to find me or, uh, yeah, you know, on TikTok. Email me, always email me, that ring the king guy. And, uh, you know, if you're in Northwest Indiana or anywhere around Indiana, I like to tell people, you know, if it's real estate, just ring the king. And that's how we kind of come up with that name. Uh, so yeah, that ring the king guy at Gmail is my email and uh, find me on Facebook. There you go. So if you're looking in the real estate world and uh, you need somebody for one-on-one coaching, you're looking for a motivational speaker for your next event, ring that king guy. He'll be happy to yeah. serve you guys. And Scott, appreciate you coming on, man. Uh, I know yeah. you've got a ton of value and I uh, just appreciate all you do. And uh, thanks for taking the time, man. Man, it's always fun. Let's not make it four years before we do it again. Yeah, there you go. I know, right? And so, y'all, if uh, Scott has added value to you, make sure you comment and I can get that uh, along to him or reach out to him directly. But make sure you like and subscribe so you can stay up to date with any of the future episodes of The Corey Lee Show. I would love to get this content out to other people that, you know, maybe, maybe we can add value to them. So feel free to share it tag friends, family, all that good stuff. You know, all the things people say to get their stuff out. But our goal, our number one goal, and I know this is Scott's goal as well, is to add value to people. My desire is to see leaders step into who they were designed and called to be and to create other leaders, to build leaders at generational impact. And so anyway, appreciate you guys. Hope y'all have an awesome day and God bless. Three, two, Thanks for joining me today. I hope I have added value to you. And if you have found value in this episode, let me know. Drop a comment and make sure you share with a friend or family member. See you next episode.